Hey y'all, it's Stu. Um, astute listeners of the show may notice today that Dave and I are not really on our game for the average episode, and it's just because we recorded this on Saturday afternoon, October 27th, after what has been just a fucking horrific 72 hours in this country. I cut out 90 seconds of us trying to do like a current events riff from the episode, because frankly, that's not what you guys are here to hear. You can hear that from any other source of media in your life. But to kind of sum it up, I mean, solidarity from both me and Dave, uh, stand up, fight back, we'll fight and we will win and enjoy but today's don't show. talk about revolution, that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me, I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of More Like the Worst Wing podcast. Uh, I am Dave. And I'm Stu. And we're here to guide you with our voices through episode 12 of season 1 of the West Wing, entitled He Shall From Time to Time... Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, which, of course, references the State of the Union Address, which is upcoming. Uh, and the president, we open on the president preparing for it in the uh, press room uh, with some of our other characters there to criticize him and throw him questions and whatnot. Um, nice little humor bit here where a bunch of typos show up in the uh, teleprompter, the teleprompter. <laughs> yeah. um, which is fun. Uh, but meanwhile, the characters are noticing that he looks kind of sweaty and pale, and they're, they're kind of asking, like, is he okay? Is he getting sick? Um, and everyone kind of voices their concern to him. He's like, it's fine. Abby's got me on some pills. I'm going to take them. Uh, but then when he goes to get water to take the pills, he collapses in the Oval Office. Um, and that's sort of our cold open intro moment of like, oh man, the president collapsed. And so we get like sort of this, uh, eventually as it goes on, like we have the, like everybody gets together in the Oval Office offices, like trying to, you know, revive the president. They bring in the doctor or whatever. So we're getting some sort of some foreshadowing here that I actually noted there was some pretty good sort of like camera work in the press room scene where mm-hmm. like an attentive audience can intuit that something something is up. going seriously wrong yeah this is not like normal. it's too close it's too close to bartlett's face like there's a lot of extra sort of um like the plane of the shot is incorrect and some stuff is blurred out that isn't usually so it was actually something that i thought technically was pretty you know pretty apt yeah for the the unfolding crisis and we get sort of this everybody gets together and the Oval Office is like, oh my gosh. And, you know, the I'm assuming he's some high ranking Navy doctor or whatever. Right. This is, is this is fixing the, the guy who um you know bought the live the successor to the uh to Scozy. Oh um. yeah. Oh yeah the fucking uh what's his name? Morris. Doctor Morris. Yeah. Yeah. This um. is his successor. <laughs> so and then but then like in the middle of this scene we get Stockard Channing back. Yay Hooray! <laughs> and she and she just walks in and starts owning the scene, and it's great. Um, and Bartlett even calls her out of like, "You're so hot when you're in doctor mode," because <laughs> she does yeah. just drop straight into doctor mode. And not gonna lie, it's pretty hot. <laughs> well, and so we're gonna we're also seeing throughout this. It's I mean, honestly, the theme is dealing with like the incapacity of the head of state within Absolutely. the constitutional structure. Yeah, because so he's in, get... he's in bed for the rest of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, we see Leo, like, ordering his doctor around, and that's kind of like, hmm, makes you makes you do the thunk face right. a little bit. And like, then you get, sh- shouldn't someone be calling up Hoynes at this point, you know? Like, yeah, th- this exactly. is what the VP is for. 
Yep. And so he goes like, um, they briefly like head back down to the situation room to talk about the India Pakistan thing, which is, you know, all of a sudden just out there in the background. Yeah. It's still ongoing. Um, so basically the situation is just tenser, uh, where they've crossed the border at this point, India has, and they're doing whatever they can to try to get them to retreat. Yeah, and so they, like, at this point, the president wisely just says, hey, things good? I'm going to go to bed. Right. <laughs> you you do your thing. I trust the Joint Chiefs in this particular situation. Right, like, Celtics you, lost you know. in overtime. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let me know what's going on. I need to lay down. Yeah, so... um so everything with the president's health issues uh, sort of culminates when we finally get the reveal that this is not just the flu or some temporary sickness, um, but this is an attack of something that he has, uh, which is relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis, uh, or MS for short. Yep, and there's sort of this emotional scene between Leo, because even Leo is unaware of this, and you know Dr. Bartlett, where, you know, she he, he kind of, like, badgers her, not badgers, but, like, you know, just walks her through the process of revealing to him, like, what's actually wrong. Because he's been their best friend for 40 years. Right. Whatever. It's actually shocking that Leo doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's also a testament to just how secret uh, Bartlett felt he had to keep this information because, in his own words, he wanted to be president, and he knew that, you know, revealing this sort of disease uh, before you ran a campaign would, you know, almost certainly make you lose. Almost certainly tank it. And yeah. it's, it's pretty touching. There's a there's a little denouement between the president in bed and Leo, and he comes in, he's like, why didn't you tell me, man? Mm-hmm. You know, I he says, I wanted to be president. He's like, I still could have gotten you there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, <laughs> Leo gets a lot of nice character moments in this episode, and it's the stuff we were complaining about before, where it's like, why isn't, you know, why don't we feel sympathy for him yet, other than just, you know, John Spencer is a nice man who, who says words nicely, yeah. you know. But He's a protagonist. Leo, but so. Leo, the character, has not really done anything to engender this sort of fear loyalty that all the other characters seem to feel for him. This episode, he finally does do a couple of those things. One uh, being that in the middle of this, he's still dealing with uh, the story about his Valium addiction and and alcohol addiction is about to hit the news, uh, thanks to as the characters put it, it's on the internet now. (laughs) Yes, Yes, indeed. When it hits the internet, you know you've made the big time. Yeah, uh, this show and its relationship to the internet will be a fascinating thing to chart through as we keep going. Um, But uh, so, finally, Leo, you know, um, Sam is going to draft a statement from the president of support for Leo before he goes uh, before this press conference to answer questions about the alcohol and Valium issues. And Leo says, no, you will not do that. If I go down, I'm not taking anyone with me. And so that's noble. And so finally we get like a nice Leo character moment that makes you understand why these other characters respect this man so much. Yep. And, when they're uh, and doing... we really could have used just more of this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, when they were, they're doing the the prep work, when CJ is, is working on him prior to the press conference, he actually reacts like a human being to yes. a lot of these things, where there is an emotional component to what is, I mean, let's be clear, it's an attack on his character more than his capacity. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously it will be spun otherwise, but right. um, he does react in a much more 
human fashion Absolutely. to a lot of yeah. this stuff when it comes home to roost finally in this episode. And so this is why, you know, I think we said at the outset, like as a piece of television, this episode is actually quite good because it brings us into the ambit of these characters as human beings rather than just plot yeah, we get a lot more character development all across the board, really. Um, not a lot of, like, plot happens necessarily, but some of these reveals, particularly the President's MS, are going to be huge character moments that are going to, uh, you know, have echoes throughout the the rest of this show. Yeah, and I mean, the, uh, the conflict, the fundamental conflict of Abby being, you know, a famously qualified medical doctor mm-hmm. treating treating a family member. I mean, that yes. is that's that's unethical out the gate. And with yet, your, it like, happens constantly. Yeah, and I imagine it's a challenge that all doctors and you know, I have many friends who are doctors that say they wrestle with this occasionally, where it's like you know you have you are taught forever to leverage your career and your success and your strengths as an individual to help people, and then the particularly people your that, family. Exactly, the people that you would particularly enjoy to deploy that ability and skill and qualification to help you are sort of ethically enjoined against doing right because of just the emotional conflict of interest that it inherently generates yep um yeah but again you know this is a really good like episode of television um but the politics of it is still a little (laughs) more questionable and that's what we're gonna dig into um Starting off with, uh, this is something I need to circle back to because I don't want us to blow past it. When he's um, doing his uh, preparation for State of the Union in the beginning, he's listing off economic numbers, and they're very impressive. You know, really big gains in terms of unemployment, uh, getting people off welfare rolls, etc., etc. You know, really great numbers. And yet, we have not seen in the 11 episodes before this any sort of economic. Uh, policy or legislation effort, or effort like that this administration has done at all. Uh, so they're just taking credit for this massive booming economy, and it just feels like the Clinton.com bubble uh, all over again, but fictionalized. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they never, they spend most of the time, and we'll, we'll dig into it a little bit, prepping for the State of the Union by, by um, rather than going out there and, and claim like claiming this political ground for themselves they spend most of the time basically defending themselves from tiny technical yeah like, like and apologizing and apo- exactly and yeah. it's so weird because you hear these great economic numbers you figure this state of the union is going to be a slam dunk where you can just reiterate all these economic want. numbers and then go there therefore i rule our government's great <laughs> We did all this. Let's do You're some welcome. Big things. Let's yeah. do more. You know, like, but instead, the other major plot of this episode is that Toby keeps meeting with um, various groups who want to keep toning down the language of the State of the Union because they feel uh, it's too pro-government. Um, and we actually get the line, and this is referencing a, a very famous Clinton State of the Union of the era of big government is over. Yep. Which, there's a lot to unpack there. So <laughs> we'll do that later. Um, that well, let's be, talk about, um, what's the ahead. first thing we want to talk about? Well, um, I think that basically covers all the episode information. So let's yeah. take a break here, uh, and then we can start digging into more of the issues. 
So with the disclosure of the president's uh, medical issue in this episode, we actually tie together a lot of things about what they are, what the administration is actually nervous about in their handling of the government, in addition to Leo's own situation, which I remarked was it's actually pretty... It's interesting that the writers made the choice this way that they did, because frankly, you could have milked Leo's addiction slash alcoholism storyline for an entire season mm-hmm. and just had enough material to go around yeah. in this realm. And they, but, they will get there again much, much later on. Um, Leo's Leo's addiction comes back in a big way in season seven, from what I recall, but that's a long time from now. Uh, but yeah, more to your point, you're right in that they could have you know, but then they chose to conjoin these issues quite nicely here with both Leo and Bartlett, uh, where basically it just comes down to like, can can the public trust us again? You know, now that we've hidden these major things from them. Yeah, and it's sort of it sort of ties in with the the big government thing, but I mean, it, ultimately this is both of the issues the characters are wrestling with. It's very of the times because it seems almost quaint nowadays yeah. to be like, well. Uh, okay, so like 20 years ago, he had this thing and has since has been essentially knocking it out of the park in his political career. Like, yeah. if he's doing good now, the okay, cool, yeah. cool, you know? And so a lot of it is just Leo's take on the situation, again, as we mentioned, with his sort of noble, noble sacrifice to be like, it's just me. Like, it's only my problem. I'll take the hit for it. I mean, it's pretty good and it's written as a noble noble, but a little naive Um, yeah absolutely obviously the the administration is going to be tarred if one of (laughs) if their chief of staff gets taken down yeah and i mean it's another sort of of these morality plays where it boils down what is ultimately a problem with society or with this Mm -hmm. i guess in this case the stigma that society assigns to an individual to addiction yeah yeah to addiction it's very very of the times and I mean it is very it's easy to forget in in spite of the hell world that we live in currently like the actual progress that we have made on perception of alcoholism and drug addiction and a lot of the actual work we've done to destigmatize yeah. those issues in Yeah society. you know now people view things like the opioid epidemic as an epidemic and not as a massive behavioral issue of all these people who like pain pills yeah, and you know, you know turns we, out we the haven't... human brain likes pain pills, <laughs> and we we haven't made much progress in the way of actually fixing no these of issues. Not, However, but... it always starts with the perception of it, and I think it is. I mean, it's super serious because the the implication that is made with the quote unquote capacity or like your potential to do your job argument is heavily undergirded by the idea that if you have an addiction or an alcohol problem you are morally incapable of making decisions as well you are fundamentally debased not just in your capacity as chief executive of the country not just yeah not just you're drunk but yeah, (laughs) yeah you you have a moral problem for allowing yourself to become a drunk and yeah. you know obviously there is some there are some tricky issues here with privacy or disclosure questions that come up around these issues but at mm-hmm. the end of the day it's also it boils down to a more material like functionally what did we seek to achieve by concealing these things and now having shown that we are 
you know, fully, fully invested in the capacity to do these things, do, do these past issues really matter? Leo's thing, I think, is less egregious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, particularly since it's no longer a problem, whereas the president's issue is ongoing uh, and, in fact, will get worse as he ages. Um, yeah. And he has no way of stop. you know, he can't stop having MS. You know, Leo can stop taking pills. Leo can stop drinking. The president can't stop having a disease. Mm-hmm. And it also, um, what was I going to say? So, like, as far as the, again, within within the structural limits of the Constitution and the structure of the government, the impact on, obviously, the president right. is much is much more Than the chief of staff, of course, as well. Because yeah. theoretically, Leo can always be replaced. E- easily. E- absolutely. Yeah. In fact, he has a deputy chief of staff that would quickly <laughs> hop into his role uh, should that happen. Um, which is interesting that Josh never puts two and two together on that. Or I guess it's meant, you know, they're such good friends that he would never even consider it. Um, but that seems like the politically kind of craven move that a Rahm Emanuel right, right, right alike would uh, would yeah. pull. Uh, <laughs> a Rahm Standen would be all over that would, shit. Would and probably he, start he'd be like, like leaking it to the media. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and be like, yes. mm, maybe we should get him thrown out, and then maybe whoever's <laughs> second in line can have that job. Maybe. Hmm. And and theoretically, as a like as an astute observer, I imagine they sort of were. were we're writing that along to be like, hey guys, this is another feeling of respect and loyalty that these characters have to Leo. Because if they were even one, if his personality wasn't as strong or if their personality was even one more ratchet up the old dial of ruthlessness, they would be like at Leo's throat themselves. (laughs) Yeah, if this is Game of Thrones, Leo's head is getting cut off in like two more episodes. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, it's, it's an interesting, um, I guess, yeah, like kind of portrayal of a morality specific to the times, but also how it is also sort of timeless where it's like, there will always be these things. Like there's no, no person is a flawless representative yeah. of the democratic yeah. no, ideal. No one's perfect, here. you know. Uh, and how and, do we wrestle with that? You know, everyone has human failings of one kind of another. And yeah, how how do we as a society wrestle with that when selecting our leaders? Um, and it's a great question. And, you know, the show will actually explore it a lot more um, as both of these storylines develop. We don't get a real resolution of anything in this Surprise. particular episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I feel like that could be a second tagline for the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's something that's going to come up again and again, um, particularly when it comes to Bartlett's MS. And like you said earlier, Leo starts giving orders and stuff like that, which also becomes uh, a big of stickling issue um, later on um, when we get to, I think, the more, 25th more Amendment crisis. and stuff. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but that's, again, way down the road. Yeah. Um, But that covers uh, this particular issue. Let's take a quick break and then we'll cover um, either some stuff with the State of the Union or uh, everyone's kissing everyone. Hooray. (laughs) Okay, so then the other major subplot of this episode, Beyond India-Pakistan, which is resolved pretty quickly and cleanly. (laughs) Not detailedly, Um, if you will. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, which we'll we'll cover in a little bit here. Um, but it's not it's not that great, so don't get your hopes up, anyone. Um, but the other major subplot is the actual State of the Union speech itself, and how much Toby is getting pushback uh, from various people, mostly Republicans, it seems like, about how pro-government the speech is. Yeah, and there's a very sort of like it comes out the gate with you know toby almost sort of knuckling under to this very right-wing framing of the phrase big government which i'm i'm Mm -hmm. positive is something that is focus grouped and frank luntzed like oh absolutely result of a right-wing propaganda machine sometime in the 80s yeah it's very reagan-esque you know the you know the, the the scariest words are "I'm from the government and I'm, I'm here, here to help." To help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the idea that government can't do anything well efficiently, you know, to actually help the people is the most conservative framing possible. And so, from the get-go, it seems like the speech is already buying into this. And Toby, Toby as a lefty character on this show is so disappointing because he'll have the right opinion and then the show basically just tries to middle of the road it uh, when, it, when it comes down to the actual brass tacks of anything. Yeah, and it's it's a bizarre because they the show goes out of its way almost to have him have this big revelation of right. like, wait a second, F- FDR. People, people liked FDR. And you can see him doing the fucking Zach Galifianakis uh-huh. thing where like the, the words are cut. There's a bunch of equations happening in Toby's brain. Yeah, yeah it's going a mile a minute. <laughs> and yeah. and it's, it's just, it's laughable because it's like, you're supposed to be this brilliant political operator. Clearly you have done well enough to get yourself into the White House and, mm-hmm. you know, be in this position that it's just like, as you had mentioned earlier, with the thing with Josh and the Antiquities Act back in that older episode where he figures At out... At least that was some obscure legislation, you know, not something as <laughs> prevalent as a president we've had in the last 60 years. Who was, who was very popular. And he's like, yeah. oh my god, people liked FDR. They they voted for him. Like, Whoa! <laughs> what if... What if Hang on, guys. <laughs> I'm getting there. Hang on. This is crazy, but just follow along with me. What if we were like FDR? <laughs> what if people like it when the government helps them? Fic- fixes problems for them and helps them. And so the, the real the sticking point here that makes him go into FDR, Jeff Goldblum moment, is the National Endowment of the Arts. Uh, which is, of course, a terrific program, and is such a small, small part of the federal budget that, as Toby says, it costs taxpayers 39 cents a year. I assume he's talking about the average taxpayer here, roughly, um, and is equivalent to Sweden's art budget, even <laughs> though we are the United States, the rich, richest country in the world by far. Um, so the the three republic I assume they're Republicans yeah, I mean, that he's talking be. to, yeah, are are a plum that. The, the speech calls for raising the NEA's budget by 50%. And by the way, this is just the State of the Union speech. They have no actual legislation. Oh, yeah, it's not, he's these not are, even writing these are it just into the budget. verbal goals. Yeah. yeah, these are verbal goals that the president announces for the next year. You know, a lot of them just get dropped quietly uh, and never become anything, as is very common. But uh, but they're, you know, up in arms over this. And so finally, 
towards the end of the episode, he actually goes to the president and says, hey, we need to push back on this, and the president does agree. Uh, and so the implication is that Toby heavily rewrites the speech to make it pro-government, but we don't actually see that. So as an episode, it just kind of falls flat on this point of, yeah, he gets the president to like buy in on his idea, but we don't actually really see the pushback happen. Yeah, and I think I just, honestly, I wrote an angry note here that doesn't actually clarify anything, but I'm just like, go forth and scream about a new deal or something. And it right. seems like even in, even in his proposal to the president, they're already triangulating it within this very right-wing frame of reference on yeah. the policies that they might perhaps not even propose and just talk about in a state yeah. of the union speech. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. If you if you look back at our recent history, the idea that we should have had like some sort of new new deal, particularly like a green new deal, you know, something where we focus on both climate change and creating jobs for people is like so obvious a win. A, pol a major political win that would get you votes for generations to come. The fact that it hasn't happened just proves that, you know, the donors' interests are at heart here. Yeah, and all of these, uh, the vested kind of politics is very much just the default perspective is sort of a neoliberal hellscape type of allocation of these resources where, uh, again, you could assemble a, a ridiculous coalition of federal interests based around, uh, I don't know, any any sort of socialist approach to even the distribution internally of government resources. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, it's like the guy well, at the at the, the Seattle City Council meeting where he's like, yeah, just like take the resources and allocate them to the people in need. How yeah, hard is this? It's it's really not that hard. Just give poor people money, yeah. and the rest fixes itself. Um, all right, let's jump off of that real quick. And briefly, I just want to talk about how everyone's kissing everyone. <laughs> um, so Mallory shows up because of everything that's going on with Leo, because the stories you know, about his pill and alcohol addictions leaking, and the whole thing with Sam drafting a positive statement for him. She finds out about it, uh, and she's so thrilled with it that she just lays one on him in front of everyone. Hell yeah! Uh, which good for good for Sam. Uh, and then CJ watching this very closely. <laughs> This was very really kind of weird. I like, <laughs> just immediately gets like an idea in her mind of like maybe CJ wants some sugar too. <laughs> like, I, and now now that I think about it, now we're actually talking about it. I'm like, wait, that was really sort of strange. <laughs> it's it's, it's like, really funny. She, she has she has her own Zach Galifianakis letters yeah, coming together like, in her brain. Oh, like, we can kiss people, huh? <laughs> Well, there's someone I want to kiss, and his name's Danny Kincaid. So, so if I if I wanted to, I could use my agency as a as a human person, and elect to engage in consensual contact with another. Whoa! <laughs> it's it's really funny. It does lead to a very cute scene between the two of them, uh, where CJ is nervous about going into her own office when Danny's <laughs> yeah. there. He's feeding the goldfish he got her. Uh, and then she says that she is 
fixated on him, so she just wants to kiss him once on the mouth, and I like that she yeah, specifies on the mouth. Not, not on the cheek like a grandmother, <laughs> on, on the mouth. Uh, and so they kiss, and then she's like, great, now I'm over you. She clearly isn't, of course. Um, and then uh, I guess, you know, Bartlett and his wife kiss, but who cares? Yeah, and, and then we just go forward, and, and now CJ is, is girded with this physical affection to deliver these press conferences or, or whatever, right. or prep yeah. the press for the it's, State of the Union. It's evening. a nice little, yeah, she's, her morale's up yeah, now. absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, you know, kissing a handsome man like that, my morale would be up too. Hey, you know, let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, um, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, so again, it's a good a good episode of like uh, an office, you know, sitcom or an office drama or whatnot with these characters who work in an office. But once you start analyzing the politics of it, it starts to break and down. And so a bit. the last sort of little bit to touch on for the politics, I think we can just cram this into the segment here. It's that yeah, the, let's Indi- talk, let's the India just, Pakistan situation, just like yeah, let's wrap that up real quick. Uh, as they wrap it up real quick, where Lord John Marbury uh, comes back in, uh, he has been prescribing shots of whiskey as <laughs> medical treatment throughout this episode, um, and just continues to be the most colonialist colonial <laughs> motherfucker in existence. Um, and so they, they, just... they resolve this whole conflict with a brief conversation with this guy where he's like, mm-hmm. give them both something. And he phrases it as buy them off, which correct, which I think is like, it's a very cynical way to describe it because you're not, I mean, tech, you may be offering them some sort of relief of a monetary or compensatory thing. You're not mm-hmm. buying them off. You're negotiating an end to the conflict. Like it is, it's perfectly valid to utilize a, as he would put it, a carrot. Right. Approach. But he has to frame it in the shittiest, most colonial way possible. When he talks about how England used to create Maharajas, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oof, read the room, Ooh, buddy. Well, yeah, you, you don't say we're not going to do that again. Yeah, like, yeah. It kind of led to a lot of problems, buddy. <laughs> Uh, the problem, you know, the repercussions of which we are dealing with right now. Moment. Thank you. In fact, like in yeah. real time, you and the show are dealing with those problems. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but thankfully, so it basically gets all resolved where, f- first off, now suddenly only India is the uh, oh. aggressor, apparently. Yeah, or like and Pakistan even, did nothing wrong. Like, and, well, and, and even if Pakistan did, they don't even talk about Pakistan. It is like... They're talking to John Marbury. He says, here's what you do to India to get them to stop. Like, to be fair, they, they're aggressive, like, move across the border or whatever. Right. They are the one moving the troops. Yeah. So, to be fair, they're more in the wrong, but it's not like they're the only one in the well, wrong. And I don't, I don't even think it needs to be, like, have some sort of fault ascribed to it. It's just they uh, don't yeah, mention right, the fact. Right, wrong is a little too binary. They don't yeah. mention the fact that there is another party that involved Pakistan in this is involved. at all. Like, and that Pakistan might want things in, too. India may you know? have invaded the Pacific Ocean, for all we right. know. It's just like, well, what are we going right. to do about India? And go forward and do right. it. And you know, wrapped up, all done. Yeah. And so the resolution here is that India wants infrastructure money uh, because they want, quote unquote, a computer industry. Um, and I just want listeners to hang on to that little tidbit, uh, which is going to pay off not only later on in the fiction of the show, uh, but then also with our own uh, economy, with programming jobs being outsourced wholesale to India, <laughs> um, which is interesting as hell. Yeah, and I mean, it's 
it's just super strange because they spent all this time building this tension in the last mm-hmm. episode and saying it's about religion and that it's not yeah it's not possibly about it can't be dealt with material you know? conditions or yeah you can't you know he gave this whole big thing at the end of last episode about you can't possibly understand the depths of the religious conflict here and then suddenly it can just be solved with oh just buy them off with some infrastructure money yeah it's and and it's all just like in a snap we're done Mm-hmm. With, with the India Pakistan. And it's done. And they, yep. they, they do the retreating. Like they, it's they bring all fine. Him pictures. And he's like, well, yep. let's see. What do we have here? It's, um, these are pictures of Indian troops retreating. And then yeah, which, don't even. First that's off, it. Just, just question like, how do you tell from a picture? <laughs> you know, like pictures have no movement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, they show probably like, you know, they're more it, south like, than they yeah, used to be or yeah. whatever, but like, <laughs> that's just me being a, a bit of a stickler. Um, but yeah, yeah, it just gets wrapped up like, like a, with a cute little bow, you know, like, oh, you know, we were going to have World War Three, but NBD. And it makes you wonder what they, what the intention of introducing the issue at all was, was it to get this character into the canon at this point? Because, I like, guess. okay, cool, I mean, fine, like, he's a he's a wacky, eccentric he, royal he will guy. Show, he will show up a, a few more sure. times. Um, and, yeah, he's, you know, the actor himself is clearly having fun chewing all the ham <laughs> and all the scenery that, that he possibly can get his hands on, uh, and, and props to him for that. But, yeah, I, it's just, it does feel so weird with how high the stakes were and then just how quickly and easily they get resolved in this episode episode okay um one last thing before we sign off fully is that uh josh has to pick a guy um before the state of the union this is referring to the designated survivor oh yeah, uh, yeah. not not the hit show uh on Ugh. whatever network with jack bauer um but uh the actual concept of you know god forbid the you know if congress got nuked or something during the state of the union we need someone in the line of succession to not be there uh so they pick the secretary of agriculture um, who was played by the mayor from Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, uh, if, if anyone listening remembers that show, um, which is great for me because, A, not only is the actor really good and he does a, a great little job with the small amount of time he's given, but B, uh, don't make him president, he's a giant demon worm. Spoilers, <laughs> spoilers, and I think... Uh, oh my god. <laughs> I was going to say, this is like the second time I've referenced Buffy in the last week because we were talking... I don't know, whenever offline about how there is no West Wing musical episode. And I could <laughs> Thank have, God. I could have sworn there was one, but I was mistaking it for the Buffy musical. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Which is great. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the West Wing musical episode would just be called Hamilton at this yes, point. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we get a, a nice little bit here where um, he says, you know, Pick, pick a chief of staff and it should be your, your best friend who's smarter than you. Um, so it's a nice little moment between kind of Bartlett and Leo there at the end. Um, and that sort of wraps up this episode of The West Wing and also our episode of More Like the Worst Wing. Next week's episode, uh, episode 13. Did we Google it in advance? Will be Take Out the Trash Day. Nice, good work. Um, which is a reference to the concept of 
letting bad stories hit on a Friday afternoon uh, so that the media ignores them, which seems very quaint now in our 24-7 <laughs> online news We can watch media. a news cycle happen in real time at any time. Yeah, the idea that people just, like, check out after Friday at 5. Um, Clearly we do not. news watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that more next week. Um, as always, you can reach us on the on our thread in C-SPAM, or you can email the show if you're a non-something awful listener who got here somehow, welcome, uh, and feel free to drop us a comment at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. nice. And uh, we will see you next week with another episode. All right. Bye-bye. 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 But don't ask me to come on over.